that's encouraging. And at the same time, um, such a person, the guru figure is very, very generous, very patient um, with us. And, um, and, and feels um, confident to a large extent uh, if we are you know, on the path, so to speak. Our own perspective is a little bit uh, close up, hmm? whereas the guru's perspective is, is a little bit uh, distant, seeing a larger picture. Hmm? So if you want to go, for example, to uh, the highest peak of the Himalaya, hmm? the snow-capped mountain range, then you're going to traverse, if you can see my hand, like this. You're going to go up through the foothills and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. So we see ourselves go up a little and we see ourselves going down. Uh, and, and we kind of emphasize the down part. I think it, 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 it gets the better of us at, at times. But we don't see the larger picture that as we're going down, we're actually going up. Mm-hmm. You understand? Um, and so um, it's good if we can kind of come into that that bigger picture and not let the downside, if you will, be uh, discouraging or the glaring uh, shortcomings of ourselves um, on our part that we, you know, are obvious in comparison, you know, to the to the ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that um, uh, <laughs> you say that we, we you sometimes feel that it that it's never enough. Um, I would say there can always be more, but <laughs> but even a little bit is 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 uh, extraordinary. Uh, you know, with regard to association, we hear that uh, just a moment's association could change the course of our life. So again, it, it's very, it's important to kind of like look at the bigger picture. Another example of this um, was uh, that uh, one day, one of my godbrothers sat with us on the veranda of Pujapachita Maharaj, as we used to do for a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours in the evening, asking him questions and uh, hearing his Answers and the context of hearing his answers, forgetting about our questions, and, <laughs> and uh, as he took us to new heights and so forth. And one of my godbrothers announced one day that, t- that today is a very nice, inauspicious day. And Guru Mark said, "Really? What you know? Like what happened? What, 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 what's 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 the reason for that?" And he said, "Well, today is my birthday. So I took birth as in a in a material body." And Pudipanchudamar said, "Oh no, that's very well, and that's an auspicious day because in this birth you got a human birth. Jalaja Nabalakshani, Stavarakshabimshati. We quoted this verse from the Purana. There are so many species of aquatics and reptiles, and so many, and amongst them there are four hundred thousand types of human beings, which the rarest type. And you have human life. That's very auspicious. And you have this uh, connection with the Sadguru." As uh, Govinda Das says, Dulabhamanava janama satsange taraha e bhava Dulabhamanava. Again, the human life, manava is dulabha, very rare. Dulabhamanava janama. If you have a birth, janama, in a human life, it's very rare. 
And if you have, along with that, satsanga, association with real saints, then Tadaha e Baba, you have Baba Sindhuri. You have all you need to cross over the ocean of material existence. We can, there's a kind of ashabandha. Ashabandha is a symptom of bhava, <clears throat> which means kind of like hope beyond hope, where there is no hope in myself. I can look at myself and say, there is no hope here. Um, but there's, but another hope arises nonetheless. What is that hope? Hope arises and it's a very powerful hope that understanding the nature of Krishna, what is he like? Despite the fact there's no, I see no hope in myself, given my, my, my shortcomings. His nature is to overlook, right? His nature is so generous. The very learned uh, Uddhava, who was Shastra, did he? You know, he knew everything in the Shastra. He was. He made a statement that the whole Bakiyam Who, who, in the right mind would take shelter of anybody other than Krishna, who gave motherhood, eternal motherhood, in relation to himself, to Putana, who simply dressed herself as a devotee. <laughs> With the, with the very, uh, you know, evil intentions, uh, he ignored the evil intentions and, uh, you know, dealt with them appropriately given the circumstance, but gave her motherhood. So he said, you know, who in their right mind would take shelter of anybody else? There's nobody, there's no other, uh, divinity in the Hindu pantheon that, uh, if you will, that, uh, looms so large in terms of generosity and humility, uh, excuse me, and, and, uh, Mercy and so forth. So you kind of have to put those things together. I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel discouraged um, with uh, the idea that that, um, that it's 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 never enough. I would think that uh, you know we do have to be sensible about our limitations, and that is part of the you know the art of sadhana. This is this is like anything. It's a practice. So it, it's it it's not to be done. Uh, blindly um it's to be done with some awareness of my uh limitations and and we don't need to emphasize them they're you know they're 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 apparent um and um from our level of eligibility you know we 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 give as much as 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 we're capable of and and always try to you know um and and i should say naturally we will progress naturally we will progress and find ourselves uh, able to um engage in ways that previously we were were not like with more attentive hearing and chanting and getting and producing a result which generates a kind of a spontaneity and enthusiasm and, and so forth so so don't beat yourself up, I would say, um, and uh, and <coughs> try to look, you know, at the bigger picture, hmm? which certainly I'm looking at and Krishna's looking at. So does that help? Yes, thank you so much. It really does. Thank you. Okay. So, next question. Okay, the next one is from Amrita Gopal from Brighton. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Maharaj. 
I'd love if you'd elucidate on two verses that I found in the Bhagavatam. Um, and the nature of the verses are about the friendship between devotees. Uh, Vashudeva is glorifying Sri Narayani. Um, there are a few words that I would be grateful if you could uh, clarify. Sneha Sangitaha. And that verse is 10.84.61. Sri Vasudev said, My dear brother, God himself has tied the knot called affection, sneha, which tightly binds human beings together. It seems to me that even great heroes and mystics find it very difficult to free themselves from it. So I'd love to hear you uh, on that verse in terms of the affection, that sneha, sangitaha. And then the, the following verse Indeed, the Supreme Lord must have created the bonds of affection, for such exalted saints as you have never stopped showing matchless friendship toward us ingrates, although it has never been properly reciprocated. So uh, in terms of the follow-up question, I'd be very grateful if you would kindly speak about the nature of the friendship between Vaishnavas and how we can avoid the terrible situation of improperly or, uh, or, or not reciprocating properly uh -huh. well the knot of affection um uh, to uh, that which is doesn't endure is uh, to use schopenhauer's term the, the the world knot if you will um and to untie that is is kind of the abcs of of spiritual life the in the ganmarg um they try to do so very directly by way of renunciation. So if you're attached to that which is temporary, then, um, and moving in relation to things that are temporary in pursuit of enduring happiness, that's a folly. So they stop moving in relation to temporary things. And indeed, um, accept, uh, processes or, or, or methods for overcoming, uh, such attachment and affections, if you will, that are extreme. Um, um, that is, uh, the, uh, kind of direct approach. They try to untie the knot, the Gordian knot, if you will, of, of material existence. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a very, 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 very tight knot, as the verses in Bhagavatam you're citing tell us. So to take it upon yourself to untie that knot directly, that is a, uh, very difficult. Krishna says about that in the Gita. What he says that, uh, good luck. He says, <laughs> he says that, uh, that it's not possible. Mama Maya Duratyaya. My Maya is Duratyaya. It is, it, that knot is, is not possible to untie on the strength of your own, um, efforts. Uh, now, if the jnani factors in some bhakti, then it can be untied. But, of course, the implication of that is that, well, why not just do bhakti then? Hmm. Um, we're in wherein there is a lot of effort, but the effort is to get grace. Hmm. It's a very different kind of effort. We make an effort to try to get, get grace um, and get a strength uh, that beyond our own to deal with the situation. And this is very common sense. Uh, bhakti is, is, uh, is, uh, thought to be by the Advaitins to be emotional rather than intellectual, but actually it's common sense. It eludes often even, even very intelligent people. 
Um, and so, um, to give an example, I, I, I cited the Gordian knot. The Gordian knot was this big knot that was that I think the was a, it must have been tied in Greece, and it said whoever can uh, undo the Gordian knot will become the conqueror of the lands beyond, which was India. So, so many great Greek uh, warriors tried to untie the knot, right? And they were unsuccessful. And they're very young at that time. Alexander said, "I can do it," and everybody laughed at him. And he came up and pulled out his sword and undid the knot by cutting it with his sword <laughs> instead of trying to undo the thing. And of course, he conquered India. Um, Columbus, in another example, um, uh, was was said, "Whoever can uh, can uh, stand an egg on its head." without it falling over, we'll be able to cross the ocean, which was to say it's impossible to cross the ocean. It's flat, you know. Uh, no, how can you try to, stand, try to take an egg and, and, and stand it up without it falling over? It's impossible. But Columbus said, I can do it. Hmm? So they said, okay, let's see you try. So he took the egg and he went like that and made a little dent in the bottom of it and then stood it up. Hmm. So he crossed the ocean. Hmm? So this is the kind of... <coughs> common sense of bhakti uh, relation to the very word in the, in the text that you cited, affection, central to your question. Um, as I said, the jnanis try to overcome affection by detachment and vairagya or detachment is an anga or a limb of the path of the mark, but it's not a limb of the path of bhakti. Jnana and vairagya um, they go together. Knowledge hmm, corresponds with detachment. In other words, if you have knowledge, you don't pursue things that are temporary. Hmm? You don't have attachment for things that are temporary. Hmm? If you're in knowledge, right? Because the why we pursue things is to be happy forever, and if the things are temporary, well, that's a recipe for for failure, right? Hmm? So gyan and vairagya. And what does the Bhagavatam say? Gyani ati Gyani ati Ashu vairagyam jnanam chadam hoituka. Vasudeva bhagavati bhakti yoga prayojita. Janiyati ashu vairagyam jnanam chadam hoituka. So, in the context of bhakti, knowledge and renunciation come automatically as a byproduct. Similarly, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, when Rupa Goswami is giving the different angas or limbs of the angi or the body of bhakti, he says, jnana and vairagya are not limbs of bhakti. Whereas they are limbs of the Gyanmar. Hmm? So how then do we become detached hmm, from the bonds of material affection? Hmm? Well, we do that by another kind of attachment. Hmm? Right? How do we, how do we stop and, and override or did away with the enjoying and exploiting spirit? We replace it with the serving and dedicating spirit, which is the antithesis of it, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we, we don't advance in bhakti by vairagya. Vairagya is a symptom of our advancement that comes from, um, in, 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 overtly at least, the opposite of vairagya, which is attachment, attachment to Krishna. And attachment to Krishna's devotees. Hmm? <laughs> um, uh, uh, 
again, while the Gyanis try to overcome attachment by Bairagya, we don't progress by Bairagya. It's a byproduct of our progress, which comes from attachment. So we transfer the very tendency, if you will, for um, or or the, the momentum that we have since time immemorial of attachment to the temporary we transfer it to that which is um, <coughs> eternal object of love. And while that is Krishna, of course, it includes his devotees because there's no meaning to Krishna without his devotees. There's no meaning to an object of love without the love itself. You need both. The devotee is the embodiment of the love and Krishna is the object of love. This is a chintibeda beta. They're one and they're different uh, at the same time, right? So, um, yeah. by Sangha, <coughs> we accomplish Vairagya, which sounds like contradictory, hmm? because Vairagya means to do away with Sangha. In, in Gyan and in Yoga, you can't have any friends. <laughs> no friends allowed. Tell that to your friends. No friends allowed in Yoga Marg, hmm? in Gyan Marg. No. But in bhakti, then the more the merrier, right? Hmm? right? The more friends you can have, the better. Hmm? Now, of course, there's an art to associating with with devotees, and um, that involves determining the level of their their advancement and how we will relate with them. So, if they're um, not as advanced as us, then we'll we'll relate with them in a particular way, trying to help them, right? Showing them. A good example, being compassionate, patient with them, and so forth. If there are peers, or contemporaries, peers of ours, then we have a more intimate uh, exchange of experiences and so forth that we can share. And, and, and of course, if they're superior to us in their advancement and progress, then we we, we want to serve them and, and, and hear from them. It's the basic basic idea. Um, and 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 in this way. Um, Real attachment to devotees um, unravels the the bond or the knot of uh, material affection, and um, at the same time, of course, we are devotees kind of in progress. So we have to be careful that in the name of sadhu sangha, we're not just really having ordinary sangha, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So. Everything I'm saying here is relative to how much someone is a devotee and how much we relate to that that side of them, right? So even a neophyte devotee is going to be somewhat of a devotee, right? And it's that side of them that we have to associate with and and reciprocate with and and so on and so forth, right? To make that, uh, that, that, that song holy and productive. Of the, of the detachment from from again ordinary um, life or that which is not going to endure. I mean, we have a personality that's not going to endure. <laughs> that's just a fact. So, how much am I interested in that? Not that interested. <laughs> Should I be? Hmm? Um, only as much as well. You have to be interested in it to deal with it, to work with it in terms of replacing it, if you will. Hmm? Retiring it, your material personality dispositions and so forth, retiring it, replacing it with spiritual 
personality and so forth. Um, so uh, there's an art, you know, to that uh, uh, association. But I mean, overall, uh, that said, your question is about how to, if I remember correctly, how to interact with affectionately snigdasyas with 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 devotees and um not uh what not lack affection or not reciprocate appropriately and so on and so forth and i think it's just kind of common sense you know how to how how, how to how to do that um, um we want to um, um and again i, I wouldn't get uh, too um Uh, let's say, for example, you think, well, this, this devotee is really helping me, uh, and how can I show my, my affection? I'm not doing enough, uh, um, <coughs> and get a little bit, uh, neurotic about that. Um, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't let that, you know, get the best of you and so forth. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure exactly. You know what it is that I mean the verses perhaps what practically brings you know to your mind the question of how I can properly honor my relationship with different devotees and be effective therein and not be uh, defective. I mean you have to also consider the fact that devotees are human beings; they have a human side, as I've said, and there may be things about certain devotees that you don't like. That's just real a reality. They're people. There are other devotees who you will like more, who have a more disposition, more like yours. So you're going to, you know, yourself in the context of associating with devotees, gravitate toward associating with devotees who more, who have more like-mindedness with you. The fact that you don't have a like-mindedness with others, um, it's just a reality. It doesn't mean there's some defect now. Oh, I, I should have a like-mind with them. As much as I do with other devotees who I obviously have a like mind with. And if I'm not having a like mind with all of them, there must be some defect in me. I mean, I'm kind of groping at what, you know, you, you might be thinking or might, what might come up, might come up in someone's mind relative to your question. And I think that it's important to, to, you know, emphasize that, that we may love every devotee, but we may not like every devotee. Hmm? Uh, it's possible. Um, but that we love them for their service. And, and, and I often say that if you want to love every devotee and respect every devotee as we, as we should, the answer to that, the solution to that is, is, is the getting the right distance from everybody. Hmm? So if somebody's like all the way across the ocean, you know, and they're doing devotional service, we can honor them. But if they're too close, there are other issues, you know, that are non-devotional. They come up and, and be an affront to us and so forth and make it difficult to to appreciate them. So you need to create enough distance. So there's a little art, you know, um, to that. But try to, you know, so let's say with like-minded devotees, there you will thrive. Sigdasya, Sajatya. Sajatya means like same caste, same, 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 same temperament, you know, from Brighton, you know, whatever, you know. Whatever may be the case, um, <laughs> excuse me. And you use your, you know, you use your human sensibilities. After all, Krishna consciousness is human-like, right? You study the Leela of Krishna, and we resonate with it so much because it's so human-like. And Krishna does things that are just like things we know that we do. He has thoughts just like we do as human beings, and we so we we bond with them. So there's a lot of humanness to understanding. 
how to conduct ourselves within uh, within Krishna consciousness mm, as well. So, um, in regard to relationship with others and so forth, you know, a lot of that that you would do ordinarily with ordinary persons in non-devotional circumstances and so forth, uh, how you would conduct yourself would apply as well, I would think, mm, to interacting um, with devotees. I hope that helps. Okay. Next question. <laughs> question is from Madhu Mangal from Arkansas. He says, "My question has to do with Vaishnava Parat. In my years, I have been uh, I have been guilty, sometimes very guilty, of committing this mad elephant offense. I have put put significant effort into trying to locate ones who I have offended and hurt, and have acknowledged my offenses to them." humbly begged their forgiveness, offered service to them, praised their good qualities, and have chanted extra rounds for them. In most cases, uh, we have been able to resolve and put behind us whatever issues we may have had, and they have accepted my apologies and forgiven me, and we have moved on. Some have not, some have not, and some have left their bodies. For those who have chosen to not forgive me and accept my truly sincere apologies and efforts to make amends, I leave I leave that between them and Krishna because I've done what I could. My question is, how do I apologize and make amends to those who are dead? I live with regrets that I was not able to apologize to them and make amends to them before they left their bodies and the planet. And sometimes I feel the guilt of not having done so is interfering with my spiritual progress because regardless of how long it's been or how much time has passed, the Vaishnava Parad, which I'm guilty of committing against them, remains fresh on my mind oh yeah that's it that's the question one thing about uh aparad we can say that there are aparads um committed to vaishnavas by in the mind by words or by action and so they can be remedied at the same time by mind by words or by action so if you've committed offenses in your mind then those offenses can be resolved in the mind Hmm? by correcting your mind and you know catching that i thought like this about this person and i felt like this about this person i see that that's wrong um i i i uh, regret that and so forth so you resolve the offense in that way if your offense is verbal then of course it can be corrected verbally and if it's physical then it can be corrected by rendering personal (coughs) service for example and then it also depends on um, what the level of devotee is. If the devotee is a neophyte or an intermediate or a superlative devotee, um, then the measure or the degree of the defense will be, det- will be determined somewhat by that. So if, you, if the lightest defense would be a mental offense to a neophyte devotee, the worst offense would be a physical uh, offense to a superlative devotee. So that's one little criterion to keep keep in mind with regard to offenses um but uh let let's uh, hopefully your offenses were not physical and you didn't you know rough somebody up if you will or uh, um but uh, verbally <coughs> um excuse me um it said that um that um that uh, 
if we want to absolve or resolve such offenses, we can't approach Krishna, we have to approach the devotee. Um, and there's another statement similar to the effect um, that we should approach the dust of the feet of, of the devotee. Hmm? And uh, the dust of the feet of a devotee in the case of, let's say, a guru would be the, would, is sometimes equated with the guru's disciples. So let's say you offend a guru uh, figure and the guru figure um, passes on and you want to resolve that. Well, um, while he may not accept offense, Krishna does and uh, the dust of his feet, his devotees probably harbor also feeling that you know, you've made an offense. So it can be resolved by speaking with them. Now, um, in the event that the devotee is not a guru figure and doesn't have disciples, um, he or she nonetheless, to extend that idea, certainly has persons who are dear to them, who were dear to them. Let's say you offended someone, the devotee spoke ill with malice of him, and um, and then uh, he passed away and you want to resolve the offense and you wonder what to do. You could approach his wife or his children. Hmm? who, um, if they knew about it, might might hold you responsible. If they didn't know about it, you could inform them and so forth. And that's, so that's an extended way in which that could, uh, uh, using that formula, you could, you could, you could resolve. Or if, if, if the offense was physical, you could, you know, render service, um, give some donation to the, to the family, something to that effect that might be the case. Um, but I think that uh, aside from that, largely, the remorse, the natural and healthy remorse that will come within us, <coughs> excuse me, um, or offenses that we acknowledge we're committed, that in itself does much, if not everything, to 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 resolve the issues. Uh, considering that in most cases they're probably mild, um, they're not like you made a plan to defame this devotee publicly, like. Uh, uh, and we find examples of, of persons doing in relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates and they're getting, and then those devotees getting drastic uh, results from that and so forth. Um, and I, I don't want to minimize offenses, but I also think that at times they become maximized and we become, there's a kind of neuroticism that, that arises that, in the, in, in, the, in the lives of many devotees about making offenses that that probably is is unnecessary and I mean people think they offend me all the time and I don't know what they're talking about you know um, so uh, for for example so uh, that you could factor that in as well those are some thoughts I hope will will help and, and of course besides that you're worried that you can't resolve it in this life nothing I've said works well you'll probably be around for another life too so and so will they i would imagine um uh, some of them um but if they're exalted enough that that won't be the case then they have followers they have friends and so forth and as they say you can approach approach them let's say you offended let's say you offended Maharaj. god forgive but let's say you have you know what to do well you know, he's gone many devotees are <coughs> Unfortunately, in this con, we're implicated in that, and some of them directly responsible for, for that. So, what to do? Um, well, they, obviously, they can approach those devotees who are his followers, and um, 
And um, I know for myself that uh, if someone had appended Cheeto margin, they came to me and said they, they really felt bad about it, they want to apologize. I would certainly um, think that they, you know, absolve them in my own mind and, and I have the extension of, of Cheeto margin, you know, in this case. So again, I'm underscoring that point that may be helpful. Um, so what else? Another question? Asham Sundar had a follow-up. He was asking, Shamsundar is asking for, I think it was a follow-up to the last answer you gave. How would you define spiritual personality? Well, you know, people are determined, defined by their measure of their faith as either Kanishtam, Madhyam, or Uttam. And the faith shows up in the form of a practical expression of that, uh, we call Sharanagati. So to the extent that they are Sharanagata and, uh, and exhibiting those, those qualities, uh, there are six limbs to Sharanagati. This is a gauge to help us understand the spiritual reality, uh, of, a, of a, of a sadhaka who is like a work in progress. It's partly a material, uh, personality, partly a spiritual personality. So. Well, you have to be a little familiar with the uh, with the teaching and whatnot to be able to determine to what extent someone is driven and motivated by you know their 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 um, their material um, condition for its furtherance and the extent to which they're driven in pursuit of their their spiritual um, progress even which can include even using, utilizing their material, if you will, you know, propensities and, and momentum in the opposite direction. Um, it's kind of a hard question to answer as you, as you placed it, but that's the best I can do in brief. Thank you. And then Sri Radha had a follow-up question from Brighton on the Amrita Gopal's question. Sorry, I don't think on Amrita Gopal's question, is it on the question? Oh, just did you the previous, yeah. Hare Krishna. Yes, your question. Hare Krishna to Varad Swami. Good to see you, actually. We missed you last week. Um, and you've got a cold. Lots of honey and lemon. Um, okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say was, talking about the previous question about forgiveness... Uh, when somebody passed on, I was taught, I was taught this long ago that we can bring that person who's passed on into our consciousness and see them in front of us and just talk to them and speak with them and say, I'm asking your forgiveness and pay our obeisances to them and um, sort of have that kind of uh, reciprocation that way. And then bless them and just ask Krishna if you could bless that meeting. Is that possible to do that? That's a good idea. You can get a picture of them. Put yeah, it on your altar for a day. <laughs> yes, that, that may be helpful. So thank you for adding that. Yeah, thank you. And thank you. Hare Krishna. Okay. Next question. Yeah, the next question is from uh, Anadi Krishna from Poland. He says, 
My question is, uh, concerns the processes of self-realization for individual users. We, for individual uh, users? Uh, no, yugas, like, you know, Yuga different processes. Yeah. Uh-huh. He says, we're very lucky because of being born in the age of Lord Chaitanya, and we have the opportunity to develop Braj Bhakti. But I wonder if in other yugas, there is any opportunity for Jivas to develop this kind of Bhakti. Yeah, there's possibility. The example is there of the um, sages of Dandakaranya and the, and the personified Upanishads who, through the Gopal Mantra, which is an Upanishadic mantra that, that precedes the age of Kali, if you will, um, as it is explained and revealed in the Gopal Tapani Upanishad. Um, so via that mantra, they attained Gopi Bhav. That example is there in the Bhagavatam. They, they are the gopis who could could not come at night when Krishna played the flute. Excuse me, their husbands checked them. And that checking of them created a separation in the context of the prakat or the manifest lila that caused their bhava to intensify to the point where later they could participate, as shown, I think, in the, maybe the 42nd or 46th chapter uh, through the commentaries that uh, there they... they um, Gained the eligibility that is derived in in the context of the Prakat Leela, the intensification of their prem through Sneha, Man, Pranayrag, Anurag, Mahabhav. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's it's possible. There are there are examples uh, of Rupa Goswami gives an example of someone from a previous yuga attaining Vatsalya Bhakti. Entered the Prakat Lila and in the context of the Brahma Vimohan Lila, perfected their Vatsalya when Krishna became their son. Uh, and uh, there are examples of Sakya Bhava also. Um, so, you know, again, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is not starting something that never, you know, didn't exist. The, what the contribution of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was kind of opening the gates of Goloka and, uh, and, and, um, Making access uh, much more readily available in the context of Krishna himself trying to explore what appear to be the limits of the, of the Brajalila that he goes beyond, you know, by manifesting the Gorli, uh, the limits for tasting rasa on his part. He's Rasa Raj. So he found limitations and he dealt with them by extending the Leela into what we call Gorlila, which is Krishna Leela. Itself and um, and uh, and tasted the the, the Mahabhav of, of of Radha, and so in, in the context of doing that, it's it's become available to everyone. And, and the best place to do it is in human society to film it on on location, if you will. So the Prakat Leela, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's internal absorption. Um, results in a special dispensation to the public it becomes secrets of this most secret of secrets of Braj becomes known known the world over the Kali Yuga is special and um, that said I don't know much about the other Yugas and I'm not too much concerned about the other Yugas um, <coughs> and so I and I'm not not uh, uh, diminishing the importance of your question, but I have been asked questions about the Eucharist and so on and so forth in the past, and 
that's my basic uh, response. But there are examples, of course, and this is not a new thing. No, it is available. Next question. Okay, the next question, or possibly a series of questions, is from Dvijal Goranga Prabhu from Vancouver. Hi, Krishna. Don't know about pronounce. Nice to see you. Um, mm-hmm. I reside in Iskand, Vancouver, and uh, I was approached by someone who's in the Sangha with some, <clears throat> you know, uh, questions that I'm sure you've covered in the past. I've heard various aspects in the past. I've done my best to, to answer the questions, but I suggested perhaps uh, we can ask you directly here and either you can refer us to some, somewhere where you've already actively answered these questions or um, perhaps you might want to say something now. Um, it's, it's basic questions about, about Guru and ISKCON. Um, so mm-hmm. it, uh, first question would be, in your opinion, are ISKCON gurus bona fide? And if so, why? Or if not, why not? Um, are Ritvik gurus bona fide? Um, what is the connecting point that they rely on? Um, there's the argument about the living guru. And uh, I guess that's that's good enough to start with. <laughs> if that's good okay. enough to start with, yeah. So are ISKCON gurus uh, bona fide? Um, I'm not an ISKCON because... ISKCON, uh, many years ago, uh, developed a policy that um, briefly stated was that if you were to take Siksha, <clears throat> excuse me, outside of ISKCON, you could not be a member. It was directed at Pujapat Sridhar Marsh, but the time was giving Siksha to ISKCON devotees as per Prabhupada's suggestion that they could take Siksha from Pujapat Sridhar Marsh. I was massaging Prabhupada's feet. And Vrindavan, when he was asked the question, if there was anybody we could consult with after his departure, he said for, for philosophy, my gobbler be our Shudamarj of Nabadweep. So that's how that all began. Prabhupada obviously opened the door to that. But later, the administrative leaders of ISKCON closed the door to that. And it was a short-sighted, uh, to put it mildly, uh, a decision on their part that I think was motivated by, um, well, mixed motivations, the desire to keep the society pure without being pure enough to understand one's own, how one's own motivation could get in the way of thinking, you know, what's, what's, what's pure. So anyway, that's a long story in itself. But as a result of that, I was faced with the problem of, well, Prabhupada wanted us to follow the GBC, which was a managerial body, managing ISKCON and so forth. Um, on the one hand, on the other hand, the GBC wanted expect me to um, have a policy towards Pujipachita much, which would have been offensive um, in my mind, because you know, while they said no one should take six shots outside of ISKCON, they were they were simultaneously vilifying Pujipachita March from the Asasans around the world, so I, I didn't want to be part of that. So I made my choice, and um, you know, those days were very uh, you know, they were different than today. Uh, when I left this gone, it was not very porous, if you will. The walls were pretty solid and so forth. Now there are all kind of holes in the walls and people come in and out and so on and so forth. Um, so, um, you know, I've been, uh, I've been distanced from this gone. I, I, uh, I try not to be uh, critical of this gone outside of, uh, that, that constructive criticism that, that has its place. And it's a large organization. 
and it, it does a lot of good for a lot of people, I would say, on a certain um, level. They've evolved at the same time a certain policy with regard to the guru that, that is a little foreign to me. It's a pragmatic kind of a posture that the position that they've taken that um, that in, in my mind does not um, <coughs> concur, if you will, with scripture and in 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 ways important and significant ways minimize the position of the guru. And I, I think that um, um, it's it's a pragmatic. Uh, posture that they've taken with a view to preserve an institution. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my own opinion, well, unity, if you will, of a group, it's only as good as it's unity for the right thing. I mean, Nazi Germany was unified too. So, and I'm not saying that it's gone to say, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a incarnation of the Third Reich or something like that. So, um, so I think it's a little, uh, it's a little misplaced, if you will, and uh, it has problems. And so it plays out something like, which kind of starts to take us into your second question, a quasi-riptic kind of arrangement where, you know, the GBC is actually, you know, the ultimate spiritual authority and uh, the gurus are subordinate to the GBC. Therefore, if the guru leaves, that's not a problem. I mean, that's the kind of the teaching. Because you've got the GBC, and the GBC is a collective group. They represent Prabhupada. And so these ideas, I think, are ways of trying to make up for spiritual shortcomings that don't make up for them hmm? philosophically. They may practically on some level to some extent, but um, whether they can really deliver the goods is, is kind of what your question is. Um, and... Uh, and so are the gurus uh, bona fide? I don't think that this, the system is, is, is right. I, it, 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 um, it's, um, it's kind of a covert rhythmic system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, but but now the question is um, again the question is are the gurus bona fide? Well, you know I'd say that like on some level they're 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 quite good at helping uh, devotees and they're not all the same either. Um, there are members of ISKCON that understand what I'm saying and don't agree with the policy of the institution and function in their own little circle, if you will, differently. Mm-hmm. And ISKCON's big enough that you can, you know, you can do that now, so to speak. And, um, and, and, but, you know, in order to preserve the group and so forth, that they, they stay within it. And they, you know, so they teach their disciples that, you know, I'm your guru, the JBC is not your guru. You know, I mean, I don't think they actually come out and say that. Mm-hmm. I think that they, you know, and I'm not a member, but I think I was told recently that they have a policy where you give initiation, you have to tell people that they pledge allegiance to the ISKCON and society and, and so on. Um, and, um, so, you know, all that stuff's kind of problematic to me. Some people, as I say, they, they kind of <coughs> you know, stay be- between the lines and, you know, and, and try to work it out and they're a little more, uh, 
philosophically uh, astute and see the problems, but they're not radical enough to, you know, bring it out directly, and which would result in, in perhaps in their being having to leave the group. And so it's a you know it's a complex situation, and I can't make a you know a statement that you know everybody's bona fide, everybody's unbonafide. I think everybody's bona fide to some extent. They can help to some extent. Um, and, you know, there may be a place for that. Something's better than nothing. Hmm? So, I think the crux of the, of the question is from the, by this person is, <laughs> I want to find someone who's going to take me back to Godhead and these people do it. And I, that's why I suggested let's go on here and, and speak with you because I consider well, I, you of that category. Well, well I think that, uh, you know, the answer to the, the question is not something that's going to come from me whether this person or that person can take you back to God. I may think he can't. You may think he can't. Mm-hmm. It's better to go with what you think. And if you find out otherwise, well, then you grow from there. I can't make the decision for you, you know. So can these persons take me back to God? Well, you know, look at them. There's a hundred of them, 108 of them, or 208 of them. I don't know how many gurus to have in this con. You can examine them all and so forth. And I, I would, But it seems that if you have a doubt about that, you know, then then why limit your... um your search for such to an institution that brings up the doubt, you know, to begin with when you don't have to, there are other institutions, there are other players in the market and, you know, let the, you know, let the market, you know, decide here. It's, it's, it's a market of faith, right? Mm -hmm. So wherever your faith can be captured there, you should go, you know, and of course, because of the geographical location that uh, this person will have the Sangha, Primarily of this kind of people, and therefore going outside may bring the castigation or the criticism of that group. Yeah, that's a practical concern. Um, I think that um, that your 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 faith in a particular individual as a guru has to override practical obstacles like that. <clears throat> just like uh, it's on another level, but just like well, you know, you have faith in, 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 a, in a spiritual ideal and your parents or your family or your friends don't. And so you're going to have to separate from them. Um, and okay. so it's on another level, obviously. And you may, for that matter, be getting some nourishment from that community hmm, that to some extent you'll be ostracized from should you take initiation outside of it. And you have to balance that out. Now, the fact of the matter is, in, in this regard, practically speaking, that all these different little ISKCON communities here, there, and everywhere, which they are, <laughs> are different. Mm-hmm. And if you're a member of such a community and they like you and so forth, and you take initiation from someone outside of ISKCON, uh, you know, they might be a little disappointed. But then again, they want people around. They want your help. They, so they probably uh, will, you know, Let's not talk about it kind of thing, you know, in, in at least and not change, you know, and your situation won't change. Now, you know, you have to also see, understand that in that situation, you're getting some benefit from that association, but you're also and more substantially getting benefit from the guru figure who's outside of ISKCON in terms of his or her Siksha and so forth. And he or she has a community. It may not be geographically where you are, but I mean, these days, geographical locations are quickly becoming um, replaced with, um, you know, whatever, digital, you know, lo- lo- what would you call it, you know, locations, right? Virtual, virtual locations. Um, and, um, and so I think that there's, there's, there's a gain there, that you, and the gain will become more substantial 
if you follow your convictions and your faith, the, the gain that you will get will become more substantial than you realize and make up for whatever extent the community uh, doesn't quite agree with you, doesn't like you, or even excommunicates you, which is perhaps that's an extreme, which is probably un- very unlikely these, these days. Because I have experience. I have students like this around the world who are affiliated with ISKCON, Alaska, or whatever, you know, or, you know, uh, Siberia, you know, and I'm not there and so forth. And and uh, I, I've found for the most part these days that um, it, it, the lines in the sand are not, you know, so drawn so so firmly very nice that help thank you so much that's wonderful thank you <laughs> yeah um okay so i i guess we've, we've we've covered most of that and it's time for the end of the call um is there anything else you'd like to ask about that that i can help with at the moment any other comment or rhythmic thing is another thing that's a whole other thing Big thing is okay. You know they're going outside of its gone. Uh, they are. I mean they they can thrive even within ISKCON to some extent. Ritvik's uh, because it's a quasi-Ritvik system that they've developed. But the Ritvik idea is 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 like okay. If there's a problem as they see it in the succession, and they've come up with a solution. Mm-hmm. And their solution is to not allow the succession to go forward. But to freeze it with Prabhupada, Prabhupada. But in the Gita, Krishna says, when there's a problem with the succession, Abam Parampara Praptam, the solution is the succession. <laughs> the solution is not to stop the succession. The solution, Yoga Nashta Parantapa, when the, when, the, when the teachings become distorted, the solution is Parampara. So what would Prabhupada say? Well, that's what I would say now. That's what I would tell my disciples. But Prabhupada would say this, that's Guru Parampara. And, you know, if, if our, we <coughs> follow our faith in that regard, Krishna says that he keeps it alive. And, and, and that's his system, one after another. That's what Parampara means. And where it will happen, um, where it will come up, who can, who can say, right? We should be prepared to go there, though. Great. Jai. Wonderful. Vancouver is gone, Kijai. <laughs> okay so nice to talk with you all <coughs> out of time excuse me I hope to be with you again next week go Premanande go Bhakti Brinda Ki Jai Hari Haribo Hari Haribo Shilagur Maharaj Ki Jai